Listening to the sermon podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. Today is the day that we are starting a series that um, has probably been one of the most difficult ones for our sermon team to wrestle through since I've been on staff. And it's been difficult because we are really trying to do a good job of communicate something that uh, is a difficult thing to communicate. We are really wanting to do a good job of trying to communicate God's heart and our heart when it comes to the topics of faith, gender, and sexuality. You know, three things that for some of us are always at odds, but they're not for God. Um, this, is good. this is your first of many uh, reminders right now that we will share along the way. If you're children are in here with you tonight, or this morning, it's not tonight yet, um, and they usually are in here, and you, you're not ready for them to hear some of the things that we're going to be talking about today and in the coming weeks. We do have an alternative for them. Uh, we have an amazing program, Life for Kids, that goes on every Sunday, where we provide a safe, fun environment for your kids from birth through fifth grade to experience and learn about God. Uh, So if you are not ready for them to hear that, or you're not ready to have the conversations that will probably spur out of this, that is a great option for you. Um, You can check them in at any time. So I talked a little bit about this last week, um, about this series that we're going into, and I wanted to take this first little bit of time to share with you guys how it is that we came about doing this series in the first place and and what our process has been during the the course of time. If my memory serves correct, I think it was like the fall of 2021. Josh and I were sitting in his office and we were looking into the next year trying to figure out what it was that God wanted us to teach on for 2022, all of last year. And as we were sitting there talking, the topic of identity kept coming up in our conversation about how people are finding, choosing to find their identity in things like their job or uh, their hobbies or their political affiliation or their social circles or their nationality or their sexuality or their gender rather than in Jesus. And followers of Jesus are not immune to this problem. And as we continue to talk through this, from that initial concept, we believe that God was calling us to talk with his church about the topics of faith, gender, and sexuality. Topics that have been at the forefront of our society and the church as a whole for the last few decades. And it's actually something I don't really remember us covering here as a church from the stage. Um, but we knew <laughs> we were not ready to have that conversation last year because we, one, we were scared, but two, we were not well equipped yet. Like we needed to equip ourselves better. And so that's what we've been doing for the last year. And, and especially in the last several months, 
Our whole sermon team has been praying a lot, reading the text, looking at what other people are saying. We've read a lot of books and articles and listened to podcasts and sermons galore. We've done a lot of work before this day because we want to make sure that we do our best in this conversation that we are starting today and we'll be having for the next several weeks. We want to do our best about what God says about sexuality and gender and our faith and what that looks like for us and how we walk it out and how we interact with one another inside this church as followers of Jesus, but on the outside as well with people who are not followers of Jesus. Now we've compiled a list of all, not all of these, but many of these resources that we have been reading through and listening to. In your notes, you'll see on the bottom on the inside cover, there's a a QR code that'll take you right to the link on our website that has this stuff listed out. Or you can go to liferotp.com and then up on the top, the sermons uh, tab, it'll drop down, it'll say series resources and that'll take you right to that. I hope that you will take the time to, to start this journey with us, not just today, but doing some stuff on the outside as well and diving into some of those resources. Uh, just as a warning, uh, as you do, do not be surprised that the things that you hear them say will be very similar to the things that we'll be saying in the next few weeks for a couple of reasons. One, we're all looking at God's word and trying to understand what it is he calls us to do. But also these, these people that we've shared the resources with from them, like they are people that have really helped influence and challenge our way of, of thinking of how to have this conversation with you all. Now, all this research that we've been doing, all this prayer that we've been bathing this thing with, by no means makes us subject matter experts on these topics. There is, I know, a ton more that I can learn, and I am still learning. You know, I, I will never know fully and understand what, it, what it's like for some people, because I am not someone who has been attracted to the same sex. I am not someone who has struggled and questioned my gender. But I know people that have. I have people in my life, family members, friends in my life that have. I know many of you are in this same place. But I also know that there are some of you in here and some of you that are watching this online right now where you are starting from a different place in this conversation. You are someone who has been or is currently someone that has same-sex attraction or someone that is questioning your gender. In our hope our prayer throughout the course of the next several weeks that we are tackling this topic is that you guys know, all of you know, 
that we are not that much different from one another. We are all starting from a place of sexual brokenness. And Josh is going to talk more about this next week. For some of us, it just looks different than others. For me, it looked like an addiction to pornography that started when I was 10 years old. Something that I was exposed to that dug its roots into me, and it was a battle that I fought for most of my life and continue to battle today. But if it wasn't for the grace of God and having people around me that love me and care for me, I wouldn't be standing in front of you right now nine years free of that addiction. We are not that different from one another. We are all created in the image of God. We all need desperately a relationship with Jesus, and we all desperately need God's grace and truth. And it is that grace and truth that I want to focus on today. It's not just the title of our sermon series, but God's grace and truth will be the thing that we build this series on. It will be the the core idea throughout our conversation with one another. Building it on God's grace and truth. And these are two things that have got to go together. Because they cannot be separated. Because we've all experienced people in our lives, or maybe we've done it ourselves, where we've only had one and not the other. You know what it looks like. Somebody who's heavy on the grace will say things like, hey, you know what? What's true for you is true for you. Don't don't worry. God loves you no matter what. You do you. Can't we all just get along? Somebody who is heavy on the truth will say, you are a dirty sinner. God can't stand to be around your sin or you because of it. Turn or burn, man. That is not who we are called to be. That is not who we can be in this. We are called as followers of Jesus to be something different. We are called to be his priests here on earth. You guys have heard us talk about this before and we'll continue to to talk about this. We are a kingdom of priests. God's kingdom of priests. And what that means is we have to look different than those around us. We have to look different than those who are not in God's kingdom. So that when people who are not in the kingdom, when they look at us, They see God. They get to to experience him through our, our actions and through the way that we interact with one another and love one another. 
That's what we are called to do. We are called to be different. And we are called to walk this tightrope between grace and truth. Figuring out how to, to walk along in both of them simultaneously. That's what we are called to do. To be living in God's grace and truth at the same time. And it's going to be a difficult balancing. It's a difficult balancing act every day of our lives, but I think especially in the next couple of weeks, we are going to really be challenged with this. Which is why for the, for the remainder of our time this morning, I, really, I want us to, to talk more about grace and more about truth. I want to talk, I want to answer a couple of questions about grace and truth. Like, what, what is Grace. And what does it look like for us to live that out in our lives, in our interactions with one another and with ourselves? And what is truth? How is truth determined in our lives? Where do we go to find that stuff? And I think if we are able to start here and answer these questions and understand what what God's grace is and what God's truth is, and we build from there that we will be able to lean into the tension with one another as we walk forward in this. So let's talk first about grace. And more specifically, like I've been saying, we want to talk about God's grace. Because that is what we want to be walking in. In Exodus 34, God is is talking to Moses and he describes himself to Moses like this. He says, I am a gracious God, compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth. Grace is just not, is not something that God does. Grace is something that God is. Grace is God's unmerited favor that he shows on us. There's nothing that we can do, nothing that we can say to earn his favor. It is a free gift for us. A gift given by a God who is generous and loving, who delights in each one of us. And is it a gift that has been reflected in his love and in his forgiveness and so many other ways? So what does it look like for us? If that is what God's grace is, how do we, as finite human beings, live in that grace? How do we reflect the grace that has been given to us? Well, there is a section of text I want to take us to that I think has one of the best descriptions of what it looks like for us to walk in God's grace with one another. If you have your Bibles, come on with me over to Colossians chapter 3. If you're new at the Bible, Colossians, and you don't know what Colossians is, this is a letter that Paul writes to a group of churches in these three neighboring cities 
in what is now called a modern-day Turkey. Three cities that are very different from one another, so you know that what he is addressing um, about how to walk in, in grace and in truth is really important for these guys to hear. So we're in Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to start right, reading in verse 12. Here's what God's word says. He says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If you have, if any of you, uh, <clears throat> if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Now let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I want to point something out that I think is going to be very, that is very important in what Paul is, is saying here, because I think it's really important for us moving forward in this series. Did you notice who Paul is addressing in, in this letter? He says, God's chosen people, right? Paul is assuming that the people that he is writing to are followers of Jesus. That they are people who have decided to accept the invitation in their lives to surrender themselves and make Jesus their Savior and their Lord. People who are trying to follow Jesus the best that they can. And as we are moving forward in this series, this is the same approach that we want to take. We are here in this conversation and we are addressing fellow followers of Jesus. People who are trying the best that they can to follow him. Because the things that we are talking about, the expectations that we will be hitting along the way are expectations on those who follow Jesus, not those who don't. I'm, I imagine that there are maybe some people in here today or people who are watching this online right now that you don't fall in that category of being a follower of Jesus. Right? You have not made that decision to surrender yourself because you're still trying to figure out what this is all about. I love that you are here with us today. And I hope that you are willing to continue on this journey with us. Because although this stuff is not directly uh, addressing you, I think that it is important for you as somebody who is trying to find out who Jesus is and what this God thing is all about 
for you to hear what the expectations are for those of us who are following Jesus. What it should look like for us as those followers of his way in our life. What does it look like in our lives? And I hope and I pray that as you watch and you listen and you engage that you will see along the way that God's way is the better way. Not just for you, but everyone that's around you. Which is what we saw, I think, in what Paul is saying here. Calling people to do life God's way. Calling people to to live out God's grace, which looks like clothing yourself with compassion, with kindness, humility and patience, being willing to forgive one another when we hurt each other. Binding all that together in the love that we have for one another so that we can experience his peace and his unity, which is exactly what he intends for his followers, for his body. And as you look at that list of things, I think that we could all agree these are all good things, right? These are definitely things that we would love for people to show to us. We would love for people to be compassionate to us. We would love for people to be patient with us, to forgive us when we mess up. But on the other side of that coin, when we start looking at us having to do the same thing, like that's difficult. That is something that is way easier said than done. Because we have all been hurt by somebody. We've all been hurt by somebody outside the church that doesn't follow Jesus, and we've probably all been hurt by people inside here too. And when that happens and we look at that situation, we're like, I don't want to give you compassion. I don't want to give you kindness or forgiveness. You have not earned it. You treated me poorly. Instead, we're like, I want to give you what you deserve, which is anger and unforgiveness and impatience. You've not earned these things from me. But that's what grace is. That's what God's grace is. To give those things, to extend favor to the people that don't deserve it. to the people that hurt us. That is what it looks like for us to walk in God's grace, to live it out in our lives, to clothe ourselves in compassion and humility and forgiveness and patience so that those things flow out of us into our interactions with other people. Did you notice also in this section of text that, that Paul ties grace and truth together? He, he tells us what it looks like to walk in grace with all these things that we just talked about, but he also brings in truth. But he describes it like this. He says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly. 
the message of Christ, the truth that Jesus taught while he was here, the truth of how Jesus lived. This is the truth that should be among us as we walk out our lives. It should be a part of how we teach one another, how we correct and, and bring one another along as we all learn together what it looks like and means to walk the path that God has put before us God's way. But not everyone ascribes to Jesus' truth, right? We, are, we know that. There are people who are not his followers, and so we don't expect for them to ascribe to his truth. But regardless, no matter if you're a follower or not, we all come to the table with our own understanding and definition of what truth is. And when we all come to the table with our own definitions of what truth is, all that table is serving is confusion, division, discord, misunderstanding, and offense. That's all that's on the menu for that. So what is truth then? How can we define what truth is? Well, I love, uh, I've been reading a book called Live No Lies by John Mark Comer. And I love the way he, he has this conversation at the beginning of one of his chapters in defining what truth and reality is. He defines truth this way. He says, truth is reality or that which corresponds to reality. So the truth is what we rely on to tell us what is real. Right? So the, this, this podium right here, I am relying on the fact that this thing is real. This is reality. The air that I have to breathe in order to live is reality. I have to rely on the fact that Jesus is my reality. And reality is what you run into when you're wrong. Right? Like if I, I tell you guys I have no qualms, I'll be able to just jump off the stage and fly up and hang on to one of these rafters and start doing some pull-ups for you. I get a healthy dose of reality when I actually fall on my face on the concrete because there's no way that's happening. But these are, these are good descriptions of what truth and reality is, right? I mean, we can... Both look, we can look at these and be like, yeah, that, that makes sense. But then at the same time, we can come to a conversation with people and still have completely different understandings of what truth and reality are. So what in the world determines what our truth is? I think it is our worldview. Our worldview determines our perception of truth. Now, if you're unfamiliar with this term worldview, let me share with you uh, a different way of trying to maybe understand this. So worldview is it's simply how we view the world. Right? It is, it is when we look out into the world 
and we look at the things that we've experienced and the things that we've saw and, and, and we define reality and truth based on those things. A worldview is, is the lens through which we interpret reality and by which we reason. I, I heard a really great analogy on, on what this is like. How many of you have ever seen those videos of, of people who are completely colorblind and they get those glasses where they can finally see color for the very first in their t- time in their lives? You guys ever see those? Or the ones where people have never heard and they hear for the first? Those things are amazing. Those videos make me almost cry. I don't cry. Almost cry every time. A worldview is kind of like those glasses. When we put our glasses on, we're seeing something different, something new. But not all of us are wearing the same pair of glasses. Some of us are wearing vastly different lens corrections, which is why we can look at things like like sexuality and gender and marriage in the Bible and all have a different definition of what the truth is. That is what a worldview is. A worldview is a set of assumptions that we hold about what is true. We look at the things that we've experienced and we have assumptions that that can be conscious. We make conscious decisions about that, conscious assumptions, or we can have unconscious assumptions as well. Sometimes those are consistent and many times they're inconsistent. But this is what worldview is. This is how we perceive what is true for ourselves. But what determines our worldview? How do we know what we're basing our worldview off? Who or what determines that? Well, the answer to that question is how we end up with different definitions of truth. I want to share with you guys three different questions that you can use to help you define, uh, figure out what your worldview is, but also maybe give you an idea of what somebody else's worldview is as you're having conversations with them. So what determines our worldview? Well, the first question is, who has the right to tell me what to do? It has to do with authority. Who or what in your life gets to be the one that determines what is right or wrong. Who or what in your life gets to uh, influences you on what you can or cannot do. The second question is, who knows me best and who knows what is best for me? It's a question of knowledge. Who or what knows you so well? that you believe they know what is best for you and they know what the best possible thing is. The third question is this, who loves me and wants what is best for me? A question of trustworthiness. Who or what do you trust loves you and wants you to have the best? 
Now, as, as we look at these three questions, and we take these three things and we put them up alongside our society, the world that we live in, what do you think determines the worldview of most people? Us. Me. You. We are living in a time in history when the answer to this question, all three of these questions, is me. Who knows you better than you? Who knows what's best for you better than you? Who loves you better and wants the best for you better than you do? And since you know the best and you love yourself the best, obviously you are the only one who can tell yourself what's right or wrong. You are the only one who can tell you what you can or can't do. And this is the message that we are surrounded by. As you walk out of this building here today, or you open, pick up your phone and open up your favorite social media app, this is the message that we are inundated with. No one else can tell you what to do. No one else can tell you what is wrong or right. No one else can tell you what to believe. You are the only one who has the right to do that. You be you. Live by your truth. One of my favorites, be the hero of your own story. This is the worldview. This is the truth that many people are adopting in their lives today. And it is the worldview that we are being encouraged to adopt as well and to embrace. And many times we do. I know that I have. When I was struggling with with pornography, I adopted a truth that told me that I wasn't hurting anyone else. This was just me. This was my thing. Nobody else needed to know about it. I wasn't hurting my family. I might hurt myself mentally or emotionally a little bit, but even then, there was a lie that would come in and be like, no, you're all right, man. Look at how many other people are doing this. Over 50% of the men in the church, you're good. If so many people are doing it, why is it wrong? And when we tell ourselves over and over again that we are the only ones that know what is best for us, that we are reliable sources of what truth and reality is, we are giving the loud voices in the world and and the lies of Satan the opportunity to get a foothold in our hearts and our minds. And that changes what our perception of truth is. And this is a serious problem for Jesus' followers. 
It was a serious problem for me. Because I had adopted a worldview and truth that was driven by self-interest. I chose to look at the, the one who created me and told him, I don't need you. I can, I can figure this out on my own. I can look at what, what you created and find out truth and reality for myself. I don't need the one who created it to tell me that. And my arrogance led me down a path that I drug my family along with me on that just about destroyed us all. And when I had finally reached the bottom, I had to reevaluate what worldview I was going to have. Where was I going to be going for the source of truth? Was I going to continue down this pathway of making truth and reality my own definition? Or was I going to go back onto the path that I wanted to be on in the first place when I decided to follow Jesus and submit myself to God's truth and God's way? I had to get myself back to a place where I was before. Where I could be like Peter was in John chapter 6 when, when a bunch of people abandons Jesus and he looks at his disciples and says, will you go too? And Peter looks at him and says, where else can we go? You have the words of eternal life. And when I finally got back to that place, I was able to get back on the path and walk it the way God wanted me to walk it and walk it his way. But that is a decision that I have to make each and every day. I I didn't make it once and I'm good to go. I'm still inundated with the world's view of truth. And so are all of you. It is the same decision that all of you have to make every day. Will you choose to trust the creator? Will you trust that he created you for a purpose? Will you trust that the one that fashioned you in your mother's womb knows you best and wants the best for you? Will you trust that He is the ultimate source of truth and reality. Will you trust that he was gracious enough to send his son to show us what it looks like to walk the path his way? That he was gracious and loving enough to give us this collection of books and letters and songs and poetry that describe that way that contain his truth. Will you trust that enough?
Because that's what it looks like to walk in the truth. It looks like us using this book and the examples of Jesus and his followers that we see throughout this text as our guide, not just for the conversations that we're going to be having in the next several weeks, but for every conversation, for everything. This is our guide. And this is what we're going to be leaning on to understand what God's truth is, to understand God's grace, and to understand how we are supposed to live that out amongst one another and amongst our community for people who do not claim to be followers of Jesus. No matter what, you know, as we are going into this series. And I mentioned this last week. Like we are not necessarily all in the same place. Some of us are leaning heavier on the grace side. Some of us are on the heavier on the truth side. Some of us are sitting in the middle and like, I don't want to be involved in this at all. But if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, you are involved in this. And it is okay to be where you are today. Like I said last week, but it is not okay for you to stay there. We are to be continually moving forward, striving to reflect and be more like Jesus every day, especially in the way that he balanced out grace and truth. And we have a lot of examples of what grace and truth look like in Jesus' life. And each week we get to celebrate one of those examples of that. If you're here with us today and you are a follower of Jesus and you want to celebrate communion with us, but you didn't grab one of these elements on your way in, if you raise your hand, one of our ushers will come down the aisle and and get one for you. You know, this, uh, this bread and this juice each week is a reminder for us that Jesus chose to live a life of balance between grace and truth. As he was with his guys that night staring down the barrel of having to live out a very difficult truth that God was calling him to live out, he did not abandon it. He stuck in it. He chose to live God's truth. He chose to continue to love, to have compassion, to show kindness and forgiveness. And he went to a cross. He chose to willingly sacrifice himself for all of creation, for you and for me. And so as we take this bread today and we drink this juice together. Let us remember that this, each week is our reminder that we too are called to live in a life that balances grace and truth. Let's take the bread and juice together. Let's pray. Father,
Father God, I want to thank you uh, first and foremost always, Lord, for who you are. Lord, that you are a God that is gracious. God, that you are a God that is kind, full of loving kindness, Lord. Slow to anger, abounding in love. Lord God, I just pray that uh, I've been praying for weeks and months, Lord, that as we continue to look into your word and see what it is that you have to say about these, about these topics of, of faith and gender and sexuality, Lord, that we will come to the table with our preconceived notions set aside. Lord, that we will not try to read into your text something that's not there. Lord, if we do that, Lord, please correct us. Lord, we want to hear from you. We want to know what you you think, and we want to know what you call us to. Lord, help us to walk out our lives in grace and truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.